welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers us all to engage bravely with the hardest aspects of parenting, to create positive change in ourselves, our families, and the world. Join us to build intention, elevate skills, and align our parenting practices with our greatest ideals. When we practice trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection, we're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. Today's episode is supported by Daughter of the Land, a skincare line defined by simplicity, authenticity, and purpose. Their meaningful products use clean, organic, fair trade ingredients and are created with sustainability in mind. Learn more about Daughter of the Land and support upbringing by visiting today's show notes. Now on to our conversation with Elizabeth. Elizabeth Antonia is a creative director, designer, and founder of the family blog, The Littlest. She's also a world traveler, mother of two daughters, ages six and 10, and a proponent of slow, mindful parenting. Elizabeth's new book, Early Riser Companion, is a family resource filled with songs, rhymes, recipes, and ideas for rituals and rhythms to layer into our homes. It's a guide for the new parent, a treasure for someone already along the parenting path, and a bright spark of inspiration toward growth and perspective. We loved connecting with Elizabeth about balancing routines with spontaneity, how we can create anchor points of peace throughout our day, the ways mindful transition can reduce stress, and how we can all listen for magic in the mundane moments. Here we go. I remember two years ago, I took the girls by myself again, like I wasn't with Michael. Um, and I, and I, there was a story where I did, <laughs> I, I got my numerology done and my girl's numerology done and by this man, Tyler Mongan, who has this incredible program called Mind Lab. And um, he does numerology as well. And he's Hawaiian and he, you know, really lives aloha. And he noticed that between me and the two girls, that none of us had a four in Mm -hmm. our chart, which I guess is like the number of organization. And he basically, (laughs) he basically coined us as the irresponsible posse. And (laughs) I can tell you that it's true. I am like, like I'm the, I came back from Sicily and the next day I took them to Disneyland. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I want to see them. I want to be with you them. them that much. And I want to, you know, it's like I have one day off until I start working again. I could stay home and be responsible and pack, unpack my things and clean up, or I could spend the day with them and, and take mm-hmm. them out of school. And so I did. And it was like the best thing because I walked 10 miles, which is so good to do after you get off a plane, like, Mm -hmm. you know, just, and there was nothing that would keep my attention too long. So like whenever I would have like, Oh, I'm really a little bit tired. I would just go on to the next thing with them. And so I was never able to really like sink into, you know, jet lag in that way. And, you know, one trip to two summers ago, we were coming back from Tahoe and I, we were passing Tioga Pass, and I was like, do you guys want to go to Yosemite? Would you want to go to Yosemite? And it, obviously, like, it was a moment where we were all good in the car, and there was harmony. You know, maybe if they'd yeah. been fighting, it wouldn't have happened. We took that right turn. We went all through Tuolumne Meadows, all the way down into Yosemite Valley. We got the last cabin at um, Half Dome Village oh and, gosh. like, stayed the night. And it was, like, the best adventure. And it's just... Mm-hmm you know, that we stayed up late, we didn't, we 
you know, forgot all the rules and we just did it. And so I definitely feel like in a lot of ways, the reason why I have early riser and the reason why I create these rhythms and rituals is because I very much am a free spirit and I mm -hmm. also need that support. And I know my kids need that support, but yeah, I definitely am very much like, hang it, like do, do your thing. Like, and, and also it's good for them to see that, um, you can also be spontaneous and yeah. there's still also safety in that as well. If you, cause I knew where I was going and I knew what I was doing, you know, and I still kind of had a plan. So, yeah. Well, I think that's part of what makes those things so special. If you didn't have those kind of rituals and rhythms of the day, you know, you wouldn't be breaking the script. You, sure. It wouldn't have that kind of like fun, exciting, mm -hmm. um, on a whim feeling if you didn't have those, the, the, the structure built in before. True. True. Totally. I'm, I'm totally resonating and feeling, I'm remembering reading about how you talk about how childhood is a kingdom. And maybe it's just, you were talking about Disneyland and I'm like, kingdom, picturing yeah. a castle, but, but it's so true to us. Like, tell us about how you feel about that and why, why you call it a kingdom. Well, that the, the kingdom of childhood is a phrase that comes from um, Rudolf Steiner. So it's not like my phrase, but it is the idea of it, it really is this like beautiful protected space um, that is separate very much from the adult world and, you know, all the really big things that are happening out in the adult world. Children really live in a realm of imagination. And, you know, I'm sure you could, I, I remember growing up thinking I was made of gold. I don't know. Like I remember mm -hmm. thinking like, I'm special. I'm different. There's some energy in me that no one understands, not in a negative way, but like, it's like I had a secret you know, inside of me. And I think that each children really, each child really does have that. And that um, it's kind of like when we are, when we become parents, the pendulum can really swing back to this protected space of childhood and also give us uh, the experience, allow us to have that experience and permission to kind of just have those moments of unbridled joy and like really, you know, spontaneity and doing things on behalf of nothing because mm -hmm. so much in our adult lives is meaning and purpose and, you know, has a, has a goal in mind where I, I feel like children don't live in that realm. They live in a realm where like anything is possible and everything is possible. And so it really is a kingdom. It is a place that they access so naturally and we can visit it for sure. Mm -hmm. I love um, that. So, but I think it's so counterintuitive with how, with the way we're kind of taught to parent, which is we're, we're taught to like expose our kids to everything, to teach them about the world, to bring the world into our homes. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like what you're saying is the opposite. It's saying, no, let's not protect them as though the world is scary or terrible place, but protect them because we value who they are and what they, the way they live and exist so much that we want to maintain that and celebrate that and nurture that as long as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I do kind of tend towards more like not a zealot, but very much like, you know, the world will come soon enough. Like I know people want to introduce children to like their favorite movies growing up. Like, Oh, I watched Goonies. So I'm going to watch it with my six year old, but there is a time and place for everything. And I think that, um, you know, like figuring out what, like, you know, what your children really are developmentally, ready to experience is, is important. And I think it takes time to figure that out. 
I mean, there is, there are a lot of studies out there that, you know, are, are there to support that. And, you know, common sense media is like a really big, I'm jumping into specific right now, but like yeah. mm-hmm. common sense media is a really, has been like a really good, um, you know, benchmark for me to, to figure out like, Oh, is Elodie old enough to watch this yet? And, but you know, there's, there's a lot to support, like letting them just be outside and play and to really support that their imaginations are worth um, developing, you know, or just letting be expressed. And um, they just are so curious and like when we create pictures for them, like we're not really doing them, uh, any favors and also just like allowing that time for stillness and quiet and knowing that like when they are born it really is as if they are coming from like this you know really protected space out into like a Moroccan bazaar mm-hmm. and when I picture it that way like holy it's 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 amazing to remember like when they're one two three they're so new like everything is still so new to them all the experiences, even being in like an urban environment is new to them. So really just kind of like, just kind of like just taking it slow and like letting them slowly like unfold. And that's why I like Rye. And that's why I like all those, that, that parenting philosophy. Cause it's like, it is trusting that they know what to do just mm-hmm. as our body knows what to do when we, you know, give birth as well. So it's like, I don't know, all of it, all the whole experience of like, getting pregnant, you know, carrying the baby for the most part, obviously there's like exceptions and things happen and interventions need to happen. But like for the most part, our bodies know what to do. They're so smart and our children are the same way. They know how to develop. And so us being there is kind of like a bridge for them is like, you know, and not really interfering and just, just kind of, you know, appreciating them instead of like saying like oh it has to be this way but that goes into like so much else in terms of like what are these like parental archetypes that we have you know where are we getting these ideas of how it should be um versus like what we actually want to create yeah but i think that's it's such a a unique lens to say let's let's refocus our attention instead of helping them grow up and bringing them into our kingdom of adults but to be refocusing to joining their kingdom, which is mm-hmm. not forever, which is beautiful and perfect and following them on their journey, whatever they choose, however they decide to, to live it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, childhood is a season. Mm-hmm. And I love that, that you broke up um, early riser companion. You structured it as far as seasons go through the seasons of a year and then through the the rhythm and routines of a day. How, you know, so brilliant. It's just gorgeous. Mm, yeah. Thank We've just you. just been loving it. I feel like we get something new um, and inspiring from it every time we look at it. I know, I've been carrying it around like a talisman mm-hmm. or something. But I don't <laughs> want it to like get all like bent and... and I know. <laughs> like, but I think awareness is, you know, you were talking about awareness and, and thinking about what is it? What are we doing? Why are we here? What about our parenting and just being a person is you know, culturally and socially conditioned. And then what about it? Do we want to think about and look at and do in a different way? What's our job? What's their job? All that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I feel like so much of the early riser companion, it's not like you should do this or it's not prescriptive in this way. It's really just kind of explorative. And if that's a word, I don't know. Yeah. Um, 
how did it kind of come to be for you? How did how did the idea come to pass? I grew up in a really big family. And as a middle child, I was largely left on my own, which was kind of great. Um, but it also is part of my personality. I was really, really transported into a world of reading and like, you know, imagination from an early age. And I loved the Farmer's Almanac. And I loved encyclopedias and dictionaries. And I would read whatever I could get my hands on. So I don't know, I, you know, as a, um, as like a creative person, I really wanted to find a way to take all of the things that had inspired me over the last 10 years of having the girls, um, you know, just ideas that I, I put in place with them, songs and rhymes that I knew from my childhood and some from like, you know, being exposed to, to Waldorf um, and kind of like put it all together in a creative way. So it really was like inspired by um, the whole earth catalog mm -hmm. and living on this earth, I think by Laurel, what's her name? Laurel, Alicia Laurel. I don't um, know that one. It's this really like kind of quirky, like hippie seventies book, but there's like so many teachings that teachings that I've been inspired by that kind of like just were, you know, just, books with a lot of text and I'm like it'd be cool just to take some of the ideas that I love and that, that have inspired me and then synthesize them my way mm -hmm. and so that was kind of like the, the the desire behind it and the intention behind it in the four and a half five years that I took to create early riser it, it never changed like it was like a true north star and like how mm -hmm. I felt guided by it and that to me was really beautiful because you know, you have an idea, we all have our ideas, but then they kind of like change or, oh, I can't do this. Or, you know, we have all these like things that get in our way. And I mean, this did take me a while to make, but I was slowly like just kind of working with photographers. I loved, I mean, I always, I still like, if there's a version two, I totally want you guys involved. You know, I've reached out to you from oh, a long yeah. time ago to be a part of this, work. but I also think that you guys were on your journey of having your children <laughs> yeah, I love how well. it was collaborative though like how you had people kind of guest um get bright little guest pieces and that all the, the photos yeah. were of your daughters which is that's the beautiful consistency of it but then they, it was taken by different people in different places like it just, yeah. it just wove through the book so beautifully yeah and I and I, I knew I needed to create a strong visual system to to hang the whole thing together but the idea of it and in segmenting it the way I did was, you know, the fact that like children are really rhythmic creatures. We all are. We have our hearts, our breath, breath, like keeping time for us. We have the sun rising and setting and we largely choose to ignore these rhythms, even though they are there to support us and the seasons are there to support us. And so a lot of it was like, you know, creating that steady beat and that rhythm through the throughout the day and throughout the arc of the seasons and the arc of the day and um, real recognizing that for young children no rhythm causes anxiety they know what to expect from sun up to sundown they will thrive and uh, in a lot of ways their organs their limbs and their brains can focus on that massive expansion that happens in the first you know seven years I mean specifically in the first two years but you know, really in the first seven years, they've changed so much. Like if they're not worrying about what's going to happen next, then they can be growing in all of these other ways. Their focus and attention can be. Yeah. And can yeah. you imagine, can you imagine just someone picking you up and taking you into a different room? Like, 
I don't know. That seems so, or you're like, okay, now we're leaving the house, like, and really not understanding why. Mm-hmm. Um, Francesca, it was definitely has been my biggest teacher. Like she's just like, never wants to leave the house. Like mm-hmm. she's such a homebody and like the rest of us are like, go, go, go. So it's like really, really coming into an understanding of like, you know, child development in a way, but also just like an intuitive understanding of like, how would it feel if someone did that to me? Mm-hmm. Like she's smaller than I am, but she's still a human being. And yeah. just like, you know, having respect for just having respect for them, you know, and like thinking about how I would feel if I were, if it were me on the receiving end. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I feel like that's what we talk about so much, which is being so grateful for a lot of at least our children's resistance because they're signals to us that we're moving too fast. We're not giving enough information. We're not connecting enough about these things and we're being insensitive. And it's just like, oh yeah, thank you for reminding me that I'm just trying to sweep you into my Well, but we, I think with babies, babies don't even necessarily know to resist or know to, to voice their protest all the time. I think when kids gain independence and get older, that's when we start seeing, oh, the terrible twos, oh, three-nagers, you know? Yeah. And that's just when oh, they're actually noticing crazy. and saying, mm-hmm. hey, wait a second, I need more agency. I need more independence. I need more information. I need more collaboration. And that's what I love about Early Riser is that it's helping. It helped us and just remind us that there's so many amazing opportunities to just to connect with our kids and to help understand them and to help understand what our own needs are too, because all these things you talk about for them, I need routine. I need rhythms. I, that makes me feel secure too. I do think there's so much to like, there's so much anxiety right now, like swirling around in an adult, the adult world, just because we have so much access to like unfettered access to media and Mm -hmm. to you just information is pouring in, pouring Mm -hmm. in. And we're, it's all coming in, but how is it getting out? How are we off-gassing all of these ideas that we're taking in? And for me, it's like our nervous systems cannot handle that amount of stress. So it's like, I don't want, you know, I don't want to sound puritanical or like, but like there, we do need to draw the circle around. I really feel strongly about it because it's like, if we can't regulate our own selves, how do we expect our children to? in a way, early riser for me is my practice. It's my practice because it doesn't come easily to me. I do. I'm not an early riser. I am not a structured routine person. So for me, it's like me saying like, Hey, I'm not an expert at these things. I am someone who has to practice these things just as much as we all need to practice it, you know, because we all need tools in order to, to make our family lives work, you know, and, and, to remember to see each other and to see the people who we're spending our days with. And so for me, it's like, I am in no way saying like, this is what you should do. I'm just saying the things that I've noticed. And, um, but that idea, I love that idea though, that, that, you know, parenting just like living is a practice and that just like, um, stress is basically minor incidences compounded mm-hmm. that create mm-hmm. um, you know a shutdown or explosion or mm-hmm. meltdown or whatever for our kids and for ourselves it, it's also can be a lot of small instances like rhythms and routines that can be building toward greater health and greater wellness and greater joy too that it's not just one instance on its own that it's all of these kind of cumulative layered moments yeah. that can that can lead to you know something really super or like 
some serious stress, which is like, it like defines parenting for us. Like how many instances of stress versus instances of peace and joy within yeah. one day. Or and it's also, it's, ha- it's, it's habits and it's, it's getting very clear on like what we're prioritizing. So is a ritual a hat? Like what's the difference to you between a rhythm, a ritual, a schedule, a habit? Explain that to us a little bit. Okay. So I would say that a, a ritual is basically, it's the practice of harnessing our attention with a goal in mind, you know? So mm-hmm. we're saying like, if we're, we're going to create like a bedtime routine or something, or we're going to light a candle in the morning. Um, and it's like an intentional habit. It's an intentional, it's like an, it's just like an intentional anchor point okay. for me. So, and a routine is something that like, it might ha- I mean, the, it might happen, you know, you might have a certain time of day you do it. So that would be the routine to the ritual. But for me, like a routine is like something you do at a certain time every day. It's just like something that's like, you know, that's almost non-negotiable in a way. Mm-hmm. Whereas a ritual is something that, you know, should kind of be flexible, but that's something that you can um, add, you know, you can create that routine. Sorry. I'm like kind of being like, that's okay. And I feel like rituals are things that could happen every day or once a week or once a summer, you have the ritual of doing something. Does that apply? Yes, sure. It's like, it's really, it's really, it doesn't have to be done every day in a certain way. I, I think that it's, you know, it's when you want to add that anchor point in, but it's that that moment of intention and intention. I, I wrote down that you, you put conscious ways to pass on our values. And I've never thought of uh, passing on our values to our kids by creating a ritual with them. That makes mm-hmm. so much sense, but I've never thought of it that way. I think it's a, it's a way to like bring in your presence, mm-hmm. you know, in a way to build like presence in a situation too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's like, it's an intentional moment. So well, that makes so much sense though, as far as, you know, I think with, with, values, we, we usually talk our values, you know, value statements, or we love to do this, mm. or this is what we or in our family, what we, we are. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think that I, I love that these are all that rituals are what we do with our bodies and how we move together. through mm-hmm. something. And that's like the best way we all learn, right? Is by actually doing it. Totally. And I think that, you know, definitely if you, there is like some saying out there that if you do something for 21 days, it becomes a habit. And so, you know, for me, like I try to keep actually the weekly rhythm chart that we do for three weeks at a time because, you know, it gives us time to like work through any kinks with it. But then also we notice the things that aren't working and then we can change them as well. I um, love that idea. And then it just like helps develop our capacity. Like it grows our capacity for um, noticing things and paying attention in a way. So like, I think that's always what we're trying to do. We're trying to like, grow our capacity to notice Mm -hmm. and to observe what what's happening and then find ways to um not like not just to kind of like separate ourselves from our feeling and know that like you know whenever something isn't working that we're able to like really notice it and pay attention to it outside of ourselves you know Mm -hmm. there's just more awareness around it totally and one, one way that we've done that is, you know, if we have had a difficult moment, we'll write a little story about it 
because if you're able to like kind of separate yourself mm -hmm. from that flood of emotion, then you can see it as more like an objective thing that happens. Mm -hmm. So that in itself is a ritual. It's like a healthy yeah. detachment. Yes, plan. totally. Yeah. yeah. I love that. I think I always think of rituals as around something probably positive, like even something really simple where I did your workshop, which was just so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I got the, the ritual rhythm wheel. And I was just thinking like, what could I just be including that adds a touchstone to the week or to the weekend? And I remembered that we would just kind of like the kids would just kind of get cranky and we would kind of be not knowing what to do on Saturday mornings. Mm. So, you know, I, I was like, well, why don't we put in an anchor point or like a little ritual of like, let's make pancakes. Mm -hmm. But then it like, it just didn't really happen every weekend. And I didn't want to have that. That's how I struggle with, with a ritual is do we have the expectation that it should happen? Or is it that something kind of more flexible that we just try and engage with? You know, how much conviction do we have to have to see it through versus buy-in from our kids to want to participate in it? How do we kind of flex between those things? Well, I mean, I think, I think back, I mean, I always kind of try to reference back to like what I remember from my childhood. And I think that like, if you, if you really, really think about how kids work in their minds and how we work in our minds, I don't think like. I, I think that you could make pancakes once a year and the, the, your child might remember that, you know, mm, like, yeah. I don't, I don't think necessarily it's something that has to happen every single that week for so it to true. create a strong memory. You know, I think it's like, it's, it's just like, even the other day we made, I mean, last Saturday, it was the same thing. Elodie wanted to make cauldron cakes because she has a Harry Potter cookbook <laughs> and we didn't have everything we needed for it, but we did have enough ingredients to make crepes. And, but we didn't really like have any, like, where, what are we going to put in them? We went out to our backyard and we picked apples from our tree and we took out the old school, like spiralizer. I don't know. You put the mm -hmm. apple on it to make and the apple horror and they, they each cranked it and they sliced the apples and she made two different kinds of apple, you know, compotes, like one that had, um, you know, lemon zest and, you know, she just like. She, we just did it together. The smell of cinnamon and the smell of the apples and the taste of the apples and like the warm crepes was like, I think she'll have that memory, mm -hmm. you know, and we don't do that every week, yeah. but it's something it's, 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 it's definitely a part of our family because we did it together. And I mean, the ritual can be that you do something together on yeah. those mornings. It doesn't totally. have to be that be pancakes are the result of that. General. I mean, I was just thinking when you said that, I just had an aha with our kids. My kids believe that when it's Christmas, you have a candy cane in the bathtub exactly. because I think we've created that ritual because I think the last two years, I'm like, I'm not going to let you have a, a little one, you know, those little mini candy canes That's that get amazing. like thrown in with everything. I love that. We don't do like a lot of candy. So it was like a huge deal. And I was like, we'll eat it in the bathtub. So you're not all sticky everywhere. Oh my but gosh, I, I want to do a candy cane in the back. And <laughs> now it's like they've created, that's our a family ritual around Christmas. Exactly. And it's only happened two times. But now it is. Yeah. I mean, they like they hold that, they hold that steady beat too. It's so mm -hmm. amazing. And like, honestly, like I want to do that, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, but I think, but I, I'm just like, I'm really wowed by the fact that, I mean, that's just a stupid little candy cane. It wasn't that we went to, <laughs> do some crazy thing in the Alps with whatever. Like, I think I love about early riser as well, that these aren't 
activities that you have to go spend a lot of money to yeah. do. Yeah. This isn't stuff that has to be a big to do. It doesn't have to be outside your home. It, it's yeah. just right at home. So much magic can happen. Yeah. That meant a lot to me to kind of say, because again, like I grew up in a big home. We didn't have a lot of money, but I have such, I mean, there was such a strong fabric there and we were, I mean, even to this day, like I don't do a lot of play dates and I don't. And I think in a way, like, thankfully my girls haven't rebelled against me yet with that. And, mm -hmm. and I am getting, I'm, I am totally aware of their needs. Um, but I feel like there's, there's so much like external stimulation and like the, the idea that they need these, like after they go to school all day, they need to have a play date after that. You know, it's like, isn't that kind of, isn't recess, isn't that what recess is or like doing yeah. something like once a week. But I just feel like, you know, I don't really do sleepovers. Um, I think that in a way it's like, like spending that time together. If you think about how many years they're actually in the house, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a long time. I mean, I have friends right now who have, you know, are, have a one-year-old and then they have a 12 year old how much time those kids are actually going to be together in, in the home or, you yeah. know, the age spread of like kids, like after, you know, you have your first two, if you have more than that, it's, it's pretty wild to think about. And, um, it really goes fast. So it's like, I don't feel like over, over structuring our, our time that we have together and giving every, giving them downtime, honestly, like is really, really important. And, um, I feel really, I feel really good about the fact that I've done that. I mean, there's definitely other things I'm like, Oh, I wish I'd done this. Like when they were little, you know, but like, that's one thing I think, you know, not over scheduling them, I think is really important. And, um, really, you know, all the activities that you can do all the money that you can spend on like a three-year-old it's wild. It's yeah. wild. The things that are, and, and like, I think it's amazing for the, the people, especially small business owners who are doing these like really great activities. Um, but it's just knowing that you don't need to do them. I think yeah. it's kind of important. Like don't getting pulled along in this don't like being pulled along in that stream of like shoulds. Yeah. I think it's really easy to do. But it takes practice to like redefine success in a weekend. It took me a long time to when people be like, how was your weekend? What'd you guys do? It took a long time for me to say nothing with pride yeah. and not feel sheepish about mm -hmm. not having taken them to the farmer's market or this cool new park thing or whatever it is. Now I actually mm -hmm. feel really good being like, actually, we just hung out and did and whatever we know our wanted. home better. We know yeah. one another better. I remember for a while, my husband would take the kids somewhere every time he was with them or on the weekend. And I, I think a huge part of it was because he was like, I don't want to clean up the messes. Like basically when we spend a lot of time at home, mm -hmm. shit gets destroyed. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I like, and then you're spending the entire time cleaning and it's so much easier to take them somewhere else where they're just, you don't have to worry about that. But I love the part in, in early riser that talks about helping out scaffolding their skills so that they can learn to be cleaning up their own messes and cooperating and participating mm -hmm. and how you just like you don't need to be doing quote unquote fun things like activities that you totally. set up. At home. You can just have fun together folding the laundry or whatever. Well, also like, I mean, th the truth is it's like it, we, I mean, honestly, the, the cleaning, <laughs> the cleaning and the messes and the capacity to like just make create chaos at home is like, it's a real thing. And my, and even my husband like really kind of still struggles with that. I mean, I feel like, 
with a 10 year old, like there's, they're still like getting every single thing out possible. Mm -hmm. That's why, I mean, I know you guys are big fans, but like, that's why I really like, since, I mean, the book Simplicity Parenting came out when Elodie was Mm -hmm. really little, that book helped me so much because I totally have, I make them choose like 15 stuffed animals. We'd be drowning in stuffed animals right now. And I, we put them away for every season. They don't miss them. They can't even see their toys if there's too much there anyways. Same Mm -hmm. with books. And so I think that like that practice I got definitely from that book and really, really meant has changed our family dynamic in a lot of ways. Um, doesn't mean that the art cabinet doesn't get crazy and there's piles of papers and like paintings and stuff everywhere. And I think the more I'm like parenting, the more I'm realizing that, you know, with chores, with everything, and even with self-care, the way that I show them those things is the way they are actually learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. As in, you're not doing them as though they're chores necessarily. No, but also it's like, if I, you know, like, I, I definitely am like, this is something I have to do. It's like not something I always want to do, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's something that I have to do because it makes me feel better if the kitchen's cleaned, you know, like they don't really, they don't care. So it's like also that wouldn't naturally occur to them. <laughs> no. no. And also, and also like for, for, I remember for a long time, I would feel resentment towards them and my husband when I would clean something up and then yeah. be like, and be like, they don't even care about it. But then I finally realized, I'm like, well, I'm the one who wants it done. I care about it, so yeah. I should probably be the one so, to do it. Right. So if I if I care about it and something I value, then it's not their fault. And yeah. I have no right to have resentment towards them. Doing it for me should be enough. Right. It's really hard though. It's it's a cra- <laughs> it was a crazy shift in my perspective on it that actually helped me be like, okay, if I'm choosing to do this, it's because I want it done. Mm-hmm. They don't care about it. It's it's not something that they value. Just as, you know, my husband like always wants his, you know, the table cleaned or he puts everything on the table when he wants it cleaned up. And, you know, I have to respect that his priorities are different than mine. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's just a fine, finding a way to like communicate and work in a family and to realize that we all have like competing priorities and needs and, you know, and trying to have more understanding for each other. But then also like really understanding that like our kids really learn from what we model for them. Mm-hmm. And so if I model, like I do this cause it actually makes me feel better. Then they, they can see that even if it's just being taken in, in a subconscious way. Totally. If, the power of our influence. And then also like, if I say like, you know, I really am, I, I'm really having a hard time right now. I'm going to go take a bath. Like them showing the ways that I care for myself. Mm-hmm. So that they can learn to notice and pay attention to the things that help them take care of themselves, you know, I think yeah, also helps. Um, I've been noticing how my daughter lately will, who's five, will start pulling tons of stuff like out of her closet or just basically making a big mess with something. And she says, I'm organizing right now. So I need a little bit of space <laughs> yeah. because like I do that. And, mm-hmm. and I do it in like, I really try to model it in a positive way, like whatever I'm cleaning or doing, like that there's value in it, that it's not always super fun, but I'm, and then I, you know, like you said, try to reflect after to be like, oh my gosh, doesn't it feel so much better to have this clean before we leave or mm-hmm. doesn't it whatever. And I think there's so much power in that way more power, I think 
and long lasting power in doing that than saying you need to do this right now or whatever. Yeah. You know, I think we, we all tend to get to that point where we're just like, am I seriously the only person who's going to clean this forever? And I like, I panic inside being mm -hmm. like, holy shit, like they're never going to help me <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, yeah. It can feel pretty, it can definitely feel overwhelming, you know, to, to feel that way. But I also think that a part of like what I was saying in the little section on work is that, you know, it used to be all chores all the time. It wasn't, you know, that's, that was part of a child's life and it's completely like the shifted to this whole, you know, like all about them and very like child centric in terms of, you know, what can we do to make your day fun and mm -hmm. realizing that like, no, it's okay to actually do the things you need to do bef before yeah. you, do that or find a way to like make it more joyful, you know, like spoonful of sugar. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I love that you, you wrote, I wrote this down. They learn by heart what they help us with that, that I, I think it's really easy to be doing all of these things for our kids. And then at a certain point, just get fed up and think, well, they're old enough now they need to do it themselves. And I think that's a really unfair thing that we sometimes do with our kids. And I love that they can be learning these things by heart as we do it and as they do it with us or watch us do it. And then yeah. eventually they're doing it on their own with no resentment or confusion or um, avoidance or any of that kind of stuff. I completely agree. I think a really big parenting trap um, that I've fallen into and, and I just kind of notice is the idea of going into future thinking um, mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, Oh, Elodie said this or she did this that means that, you know, she's going to be this way as a teenager and to really honor the fact that like, she's not always going to do, you know, she's going to, she's on her path. She's going to make mistakes and she's not going to be like super thoughtful, you know, necessarily, but it doesn't mean she's like a spoiled brat and it doesn't mean she's going to be like an entitled teenager. Yeah. It just means that she doesn't notice now and she still doesn't know. And to have, grace for, you know, like let her have grace for her unfolding self and to not go into this future fear. I think that's a really big, um, trap for parents to do. Yeah. And it doesn't allow them to just like Evolve. experience things as they are now and to not worry, you know, because there's nothing we can really do anyways. Like, what are we going to do? Like you did this wrong and, you know, chastise them for it and make them feel horrible or they're not really getting, they're not really getting the under the lesson or the teaching from that, you know, um, prescriptive way anyways. So it really is like us saying like, okay, maybe they're just not development, developmentally ready. Maybe we can let them know like, Hey, you know, this is how that made me feel, but, but not shaming them and mm -hmm. because I don't know yet, or they don't quite do it the way you want them to. So I think, um, having patience, for them doing it in a sloppy way mm -hmm. or an incomplete way. Like she might not clean her room the way that I would clean her room, mm -hmm. but it's totally okay. That's yeah. fine. But it's, that's requires so much trust in the long game that you guys mm -hmm. are going to just keep doing it day by day, ritual by ritual, rhythm by rhythm. Yeah. Um, I love that you said with cleaning rooms that when you clean rooms um, with your daughters, you're making space for new energy and magic. Yeah. But you're putting, you're changing the mindset around these kind of mundane activities. Mm -hmm. um, and I just, I think there's so much power in that. Yeah. I do think that like our, I mean, our, our home create, I mean, it has a lot of energy. I mean, 
energy is like a huge part of this whole parenting thing in a way. Like I really believe that, um, you know, when our kids are little, they kind of just perceive us as energy and mm. they don't really, they might see the outlines of us, but I don't think that they really remember all the parts of us except for our energy. And that's helped me kind of realize how important it is to take care of my nervous system and help to regulate their nervous system, you know, around things that are hard for them. I, so let's talk, let's talk about nighttime. That's something that's been morning <laughs> and night. Yeah. Uh, morning transitions and, yeah. are so you hard had for beautiful us. examples um, in early riser about just how to segue those transitions, how to create magic and really be focusing on the energy um, and how that can kind of make or break a morning or bedtime routine. Yeah. I do think, you know, like, like kind of, same as like, okay, we know that the sun's going to rise, right? We know that. And we know on a weekday, like we typically know like what needs to happen in the morning, right? I mean, for the most part, we know what needs to happen. Like, you know, whether we're working, whether they're going to preschool, whether, you know, we're go there's a point A and a point B. And in between is all the things that kind of need to get done. Our children need to get dressed. You know, they need to brush their teeth. They need to brush their hair. They need to have breakfast. So what, what are the steps leading up to that? Like, how can we let them know that these are the things that happen pretty much every day and create, like create that structure and that support and um, follow through for them so that they know what to expect. And so mm -hmm. that and to create the positive associations around it. Totally. Early riser yeah. is just full of those. Totally. And I, so I think like one big one for me, like my, I have a late riser. <laughs> Francesca is, she will sleep. I mean, now that she's, she's six, she's, I mean, she's always been like that more, I, you know, talking about the doshas, like the, she's more kapha. She's mm -hmm. very much like eats really well. She's very slow. She's very deliberate um, with her energy and she sleeps. I, re I remember you wrote about it as though she has like hard time transitioning into her oh. daytime body. And I was like, totally. that is the nicest way of saying somebody's lazy. That's what most or parents would say, grumpy or, or lazy yeah. in the morning. And I, that's just the most beautiful way to paint it. I love it. I mean, just this, even this morning, like I did it this morning. I do it almost every single day. I mean, she is like snail pace and <laughs> So we had to get up earlier to support that, you know, like, uh, like Michael and I get up earlier than her to support that. And I have to wake her body up. I'm like, wake up. And I do a little wake up exercise with her where I start with her feet. And I'm like, okay, hey, it's time to get your toes ready to get up out of bed. And then like work my way up her whole body. I don't do this every day, but I definitely do the broad strokes of it every day because she I needs, wish someone did that for me every day. She needs, she needs the, she needs a physical connection. Yeah. And then I, 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 I carry her on my back out of, well, my bedroom. Cause she sleeps like every day she comes to my bed, um, <laughs> <laughs> like at three in the morning, <laughs> um, which is fine, which is fine. She won't always do that. Um, Elodie's never done that by the way. She's always slept on her own. You know, I put her slippers on so she, her feet are warm and then I put her on her chair and then we go straight into like, we go straight into like breakfast basically. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
Elodie's already done eating by then. Elodie's already dressed by then. <laughs> so, I mean, it's literally everyone else is like pretty much like halfway done with the morning and she's just beginning. Wow. Yeah. And so really trying to support her rather than resisting it, you know, yeah. like we can sit in resistance that our child doesn't do something a certain way or we can be like, okay, you know what? This is the way it is right now. And like, I'm the adult. I need to accept it. And I need to find a way for them to not start their day off in a, in a shitty way because I've decided mm-hmm. to like throw a fit about it or make it like she should be doing it this way. And how can you work with it? Yeah. yeah. Find a way to support her, find a way to support yourself in it. And, and, you know, it's different for every single family, but I think like honoring her and what the, the extra things she needs, she says it, she's like, I have a hard time in the morning. Now she can say that to me. She mm-hmm. doesn't wake up. Like I can't pretend to know what, how she feels in her body in the morning. You know, like I might be alert, but she might not be. And just like trying to have more patience for her and understanding. And yeah, not, Michael, Michael's not a very patient person, but he's on board with it because we know yeah. her, we know her and we love her. You know, like we trust that she needs this extra help. Right. She's not it's doing not something it. she should feel shameful for. Or, no, and she's know, not yeah. doing it. She's not doing it to be a jerk. I mean, maybe she has some mornings, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I truly believe like she's not trying to, trying to make our lives hard, yeah. you know, and just trusting well, why, her. Why create a power struggle? Because then it becomes this, this self-fulfilling prophecy where it's like you go through that the power struggle and that that becomes your ritual in the morning. And why would you, why would you want to have that? You know, I do think we hold so much resistance. We hold so much resistance for things uh, because of how they, how we believe they should look Mm -hmm. versus like really thinking it through. I mean, like how much does this really matter? Yeah. Can I like, can I like like be flexible on this because I'm actually an adult who can um, reason you know, like, <laughs> really? or do I want to be like my three-year-olds, you know, being so shitty lately or whatever negative, like down negative talk we have. Right. Or isn't the exact same as her sibling, which is like, you know, I think that probably happens a lot too. I mean, I'm a twin, I have a twin brain. So everyone around me, I'm like, why aren't you doing exactly what I do or what, the way I think? <laughs> like, I think we have it the worst, Yeah, but I think everyone to a certain extent is just like anything other is just really difficult. Yeah. Just be identical to my own personal reality and we'll get along fine. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think always just try to be, I mean, I think the golden rule like totally applies. It's like, do you want to others as you would have others do unto you? I think that there's some truth to that to be like, okay, like, would I like it if someone did that to me? They were impatient with me. If they weren't understanding me and my needs. No, not really. You know, like we're all individuals and I think it takes a long time to really become aware of the people you're living with Mm. because we're just, I don't know. I don't think that we, we are like equipped with just knowing these things. Mm -hmm. I don't think we just like intuitively know them. I think that's why they're practices. I think that's why there's all of these modalities that are made to support us in like learning more about mindfulness and learning more about um, how we hold energy in our bodies so I do think it's a, it's a practice. It's a lifelong practice because how are we supposed to know? We, no one knows. I don't know. I'm learning. I'm a, I'm a learner. Mm-hmm. And totally. Lifelong baby. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and talk about holding energy in our bodies. When I think about bedtime for all of us, we need 
help winding down. We need help offsetting stress. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the hardest parts that we have dealt with with parenting and that we hear from so many other people is just that nighttime routine and being Mm -hmm. like ready to go to bed ourselves and being like, just get in freaking bed. kids. like, this is so hard. And then, but also struggling knowing that the more of a negative association and higher stress we're equating with this bedtime um, experience, the harder it's going to be to not just make it happen, but just for that feeling of wrapping up the day of letting the body go, you know, be at rest, all these types of things that we want for ourselves. Mm-hmm. We're not necessarily letting our kids have sometimes. Yeah. How do, you, how do you manage that? I mean, I think I definitely get frustrated as much as any parent, like, okay, I'm done. I just need you to go to bed. I definitely, I know mm-hmm. that feeling really well. I have a couple things. Like, I feel like if you, if we really think, and I wrote about this in early riser, like, like, children don't know where they go. It's like like there's a precipice. Where are they dropping off into when they close their eyes? It's a really scary idea to not know like where you're going, you know? And so I've always said to them, like, I'll meet you in dreamland. It's a way to let them know, like, Mm -hmm. I want to see you. I mean, I definitely slept with my girls for a long time. I didn't, I do, I did, I did eventually do sleep training with one of them, but I mean, it was pretty gentle and, you know, I always like kind of gave up. Um, the The time that they really need you close, like, is pretty short in the scheme of life. Mm-hmm. And I do think that, you know, I, like at a certain point, I was felt like I was losing my mind because I wasn't getting enough rest, and mm-hmm. that led me to believe like, okay, in order for the family to be healthy, the mother needs to be healthy. And so I made that decision based on that. Um, but I think that there, it's so unique to each family to figure out what really makes sense. And like, we do have an inner intuition of like what feels right for each of us. It's mm-hmm. worth exploring. But I do think, um, and I'll bring up that I'll bring up the idea of, you know, being stuck in traffic, you know, mm-hmm. and I brought this up in the book as well, like where, you know, you're in traffic it's like, it could be an hour, it could be 30 minutes, don't really know, like, you see a sea of red cars in front of you, like, you're like, ah, I've got to get home, I don't want to be here, I don't want to be trapped. Mm-hmm. You're trapped, you feel trapped, helpless. Mm-hmm. you know, and like, but in order to get through, to, the, to get home, you have to go through the traffic, right? So it's kind of the same, like, with bedtime, we can, we can sit with, like, resistance over, like, oh, they're not going to bed, or we can sit with love, and say, you know what, like, I'm going to be here and I'm experience this with them. I do think like saying like, I'm reading one book, one song, one prayer, whatever it is, like, you know, like, don't the whole like endless books thing. Mm-hmm. That's really like not giving them like any support. Like they're like, yeah. sure, of course, they're going to push it. Like well, yeah, so- around two or three. Years old, yeah. like, and you, so you're saying that there's a difference between you're being there, you're accepting, you're trusting, you're leaning in, but you're also creating some some boundaries and some rituals around it. Yeah, well, you also, can have both. If they can feel the resistance from you, they're not going to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it's like that one book. I mean, I really always bring this up. That book, go the fuck to sleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've all felt that, but like, if you're saying go the fuck to sleep, they're feeling that. And are they going to go to sleep? No, they're feeling like such negativity around yeah. it. That's know? so much about energy, like you talk so much about. And all I love how you talked about nurturing this atmosphere of all is well versus get in bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, 
Yeah. It's so tricky though. And then I think, you know, there's like the, the really funny, the ironic part of it is like a lot of parents like put their kids to bed and they go out and look at pictures of them on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, that's tell stories about it. <laughs> or they're like watching them sleeping and <laughs> it's my, it's like so funny to me, you know? Yeah. And like, so for me, like just saying like, I'm going to surrender to this, even when I'm really tired, just lay in bed with them and be with them, like stroke their hair, like have that moment of touch, let them really truly feel you instead of the resistance. And mm-hmm. like they can settle in, like their bodies can, like their nervous systems can relax. Like a lot of times, like I will, laid literally like my body against Francesca and like just consciously breathe and let her, it slows her, it slows down her, you know, whole inner, cause she doesn't go to sleep very easily, which is like the craziest part of it. It's like, she right. is hard to wake up, but she's very hard to also to go to sleep. Um, so let her like, let, let my nervous system regulate her nervous system. And that cannot happen if our nervous systems are like in resistance. Right. But I I love too, that you mentioned in early riser that having that connection and, you know, surrendering to that moment, which can actually help bedtime move forward, but also making sure or making an attempt to connect before bedtime, because that Mm -hmm. can also help. Like I go to sleep a lot easier if I feel connected to my husband. Like I find the nights that I sit up and I'm kind of irritable and I just, I can't really fall asleep. And it's like, I just needed connection with somebody before. And my cup was a little bit low, Yeah, you know? And if the nights that we're able to have dinner together and connect better, then I just roll right into sleep. And I think that's the same with our kids. When you, when you really establish that, that you and I moment, like that connect, connective moment, you know, with them, they can feel you and they, 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 they know that you see them as well. And, um, so often like our kids are talking to us and we're just kind of like in this, you know, um, we're swimming around in our heads and we're not really, really like observing what's actually happening around us or like what our kids are actually saying. And it's so sweet. If you think about it in terms of like five years from now, you would, really give anything to listen to like just that five minutes of chatter that they have, you know, and like the things that they're saying to you. But a lot of it, we're like not even really paying attention to or listening to when we're actually in the moment. So even those mundane moments like have such magic, like if you think about it in terms of like in the past, because all of this is going to be a past experience one day. So just kind of like finding more reverence for like those small moments and like, more reverence for like our time together, I think is really important. I love that. Reminds me of your, is this the last time? Yeah. Just have to look, how can we look more at everything with that lens? Yeah. Those little voices aren't going to be there forever, even though it really, the days can seem super long, you know? I mean, I can say that now, like even with a six and a 10 year old, it feels like, I mean, I can't believe just three years ago, they were, you know, like three, three years old and seven, even. And didn't say all their words perfectly. And five years, five years ago, they were one, like yeah. one in five, yeah. just, just five years ago. So I think like, even thinking about five years from now, like how much bigger your kids are going to be, you know, like five years is like a, goes pretty fast. Yeah, totally. Well, if you think about it, I think just our our idea of parenting and in kids is like, what's the next thing? When can they get to this milestone? When can they move on to this? And I love that idea of just looking 
backward instead and being like, they're never going to be this small again. Mm -hmm. Is this the last time they're going to call me Nani instead of Hannah? Is this the last time? Like all of these things, like we don't need to rush it. It's moving fast enough on its own. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard at the very beginning to really notice that. Although, you know, I do, I do think in a way, like a lot of people like end up having more babies because they're like, Oh, my baby's already three. Like I, you know, they're already so old. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like, well, (laughs) I mean, each age needs each age just holds such magic. I mean, 10 years is like amazing, you know, but you know, being able to appreciate the fact that they're like such incredible humans, even if they're not like one, Mm -hmm. I think that there's like this kind of like almost fetishizing of babies in a way in our Mm -hmm. culture that doesn't allow us to actually appreciate, you know, our kids as they get older, which is something I haven't really talked about, like in a formal way, but I've just been thinking about a lot, having older kids now, I've starting to notice it. You know, we all want to raise like happy, healthy, you know, contributing adults and just recognizing that every age holds such unique um, challenges, but also like such such blessings as well. I think it's really important. I would love it if you could read, read us something like your intro poem, um, meditation on page 11 or um, a quote you love or anything. I just, I love your intro poem so much. I cry every time I read it. Okay. (laughs) We didn't get to talk about the loving kindness mantra either. I love that as well. We are mothers, fathers, healers, protectors, nurturers, peacemakers. We are saplings turned into mighty oaks. There were those who came before us and those that will come after, but right now is our time. It is not a place between here and there. It is a place that has waited patiently to unfold. The past does not exist, only the day at hand. Here we set the tempo. Here we create the rhythm. A place to light the candle and tell the story. A place to dry an eye and give comfort on a cold night. These are the days, the sanctuary of childhood, a state of being where the world is good. Children become anything we choose in this unmapped land. There is no rush in this becoming. This is the golden age of parenthood. We shepherd our children through the circle of the day, weaving spells of healing and protection. We wipe the noses and sweep the floors, all things great and small. Yet in between the moments of mundane, there lies deep magic. This is the season of childhood, and as swiftly as spring turns to summer, summer to autumn, autumn to winter the season of childhood will end but for now we are here wake up and greet the day ready or not there's a little one waiting for you good morning early riser that was fun it felt so good to be back it really did i missed you i missed you i didn't really miss you actually i, I feel like i saw you every day <laughs> we saw each other too much on our break i miss our listeners our invisible listeners mm. and i miss upbringing yeah. Just connecting with it. You know, we've been doing a lot of reading, but have not been doing a lot of talking mm-hmm. and a lot of connecting with other people. So I'm excited to be back. Yeah, me too. So many takeaways, so many favorite moments in this conversation. I feel like we should keep it pretty. Yeah, this is this is a long conversation for obvious reasons because Elizabeth is amazing. Uh, so I don't know. Do we want to just do like a big takeaway, kind of meta? Do we want to do a few favorite things? Yeah, let's just kind of peruse through a few favorite moments. Okay, what do you want to talk about, Cal? I I liked at the beginning when she was reflecting on her childhood and talked about how she 
grew up thinking she was made of gold, Mm. that she was in this kind of protected space of childhood that was magical and secretive and joyful. Mm. And that's what I want for my kids. I want them to feel like that. I have memories like that where I was like feeling like nobody really understood me, but in a good way. And I held these magical powers with the universe in a weird way. Well, and made made of gold, not that you're valuable to other people and seen as something special, but just that you have your own in- internal value and mm-hmm. sense of, of, of magic. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, something else that I loved that Elizabeth said was how we can be doing things on behalf of nothing with our kids. Mm-hmm. And as parents So much too. of the whole episode was about that. I yeah. think just, just, yeah. I, well, either like, either that doing things on behalf of nothing or doing things with purpose and mindfulness yeah. and really making the decision how do i want to focus my time how do i want to focus my energy is it dragging my kids around from thing to thing um, or is it just deciding on what really matters and what rituals and rhythms and things are going to help them are going to help us are joyful and fun to them are fun to us mm-hmm. you know um she said, they live in a realm where anything and everything is possible. Mm, yeah, I you know, that. And I think, at least when it comes to play, I think immediately, and so much of what Elizabeth writes about in Early Riser Companion is things that happen in the home and how so much of what kids do looks like nothing. And it looks purposeless and it looks annoying and obnoxious and messy sometimes. Mm-hmm. But that is, there, there is purpose to that. They, they just can't define it yet. And we definitely can't see it because we've been you know, conditioned a bit. Yeah, um, and, to point A to point B, and, and you yeah, know. but and so much of their work ends up looking like an undoing of our own work, mm. and that's what can make it really frustrating. Like, how that's did so all true. the socks come out of this drawer? And it, I could look at it like they're really fucking up my day because I'm going to have to probably put all those back, or I could look at it like that was their work; they were exploring in this cool way, and they had a really good time with that. Yeah, I like how she talked about chores and being a part of the home in that mm-hmm. way, where. You know, back in the day, kids were an integral part of housework and chores. And um, obviously, it's because women had a lot of chores to do. And damn, we don't always want to do all those chores, nor should we necessarily in our well, homes. It's like a but, family effort. Right. But yeah. in general, and assuming with our partners um, also doing their fair share, um, what can we be involving our kids in, especially our sons, so that they can be learning that things aren't just done for you all the time, or you're not expected to do something that you haven't been trained and scaffolded to to learn, right? Yeah. And how that's going to look a little messy, and it's going to feel a little strange, but it can be fun, and they can be building some skills. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a, a common thing that we talk about and that we hear from coaching clients or people that see online mm-hmm. is is I, it, it can go so much faster if I do it myself. It's mm-hmm. so much easier if I do it myself. And then we end up like doing more and doing more and doing more and then like exploding and being like, just pick up your Or room. you're six, you can do this now. And they're like, why? I have no value. I have no yeah. practice. I have no skills. And I've been watching you do it for six years. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it's tough. But I think even, I, I like the idea of a ritual. I think we think in our mind ritual that sounds religious maybe we're not religious or maybe it sounds very official or very um rigid and a ritual can literally be putting the laundry away and our kids can do that with us mm-hmm. it's it's the amount of attention and presence and care we put into it that creates the definition of a ritual it can be anything yeah. it can be brushing our daughter's hair before bed 
that can be an evening ritual. Yeah. It doesn't have to be something really super special. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. And I also really appreciated what Elizabeth said that it doesn't have to happen at a certain time all the time. Mm-hmm. There's no binary win fail, yeah. you know, you did it or you're not doing it type thing. It's yeah. a process, right? Yeah. And I like that she talked about her her rhythm chart mm-hmm. and how they they basically just have these kind of awareness and, and intention based conversations of like, well, we started doing this thing like you had mentioned your pancake Saturdays. Yeah. We're starting. We to did this. it this morning. What? Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, you know, we started doing this thing because it sounded good. And and how's that going? And we'll check in and see. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of uh, my husband pointed out once to me. We were walking through maybe like school campus or or something, and there are these little um, offbeaten walkways. And I was like, oh, I wonder how the the campus feels about people going off path. And he said, well, a lot of landscape designers wait to put paths in until they see where people walk naturally. Hmm. And they're called desire paths. And I love thinking about that in terms of our own rhythms and routines. Just see where those desire paths emerge. You know, paying attention helps us be like, hey, we we do tend to do this one thing every morning or evening we keep finding ourselves doing XYZ. Right. My examples are so but I love but- that but I love that they that that rituals can arise organically and that it doesn't have to be something that we decided like pancakes. I can't even remember. I didn't, I don't think I thought, Hmm, I need a new ritual. What's it going to be? How about pancakes? And my kids are like, I don't like pancakes. It happened organically when you think about it, that Mm -hmm. they were, they wanted to make them. And so we started doing it. And, and I think that it's nice to pay attention. It makes sense to pay attention to what our, what our family is saying and what our, our own desire paths are are um, leading us to. Yeah. And I think sometimes those desire paths emerge from something that you don't want to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you notice yeah. the things where you're like, God damn it. Every time we're trying to get out the door in this way, we're getting stuck. So it's like the anti-desire path mm-hmm. where you have to be like, we need to- <laughs> The roadblock right? path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we need to figure this out yeah. so that we can all be a little smoother. The tr- no trespassing uh, tape right. path. Yeah. yeah. What else, Kel? I really wanted to talk about sleep stuff. So okay. much of the second part of our conversation was about transitions, like morning transitions and bedtime mm-hmm. transitions. And I think that those are such huge stressors for parents. It's something we hear about so much. Yeah. And we talk about ourselves so much is beginning of the day, end of the day. Those mm-hmm. are often the times that we're spending the most time with our kids. And they're the times that we want to pull our hair out because it's so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But she, she, um, I love how she described bedtime, though, how... We, we don't necessarily always afford our kids the same wind down routines and connection that we indulge in ourselves, mm-hmm. that we need ourselves in order to What's, what's to your wind down routine? Well, I mean, but just to finish my sentence um, or my thought before I forget it is <laughs> that, um, uh, Kelty, uh, is that I've totally lost it now. Thanks. Sorry. Thanks so much. We don't afford them the same things that that we have ourselves. Yeah, because when yeah. oh thank you. Because when you think of sleep, it's it's a big letting go. It is such a she vulnerable called it a precipice. Mo- yeah, right? and I mean um, Magda Gerber, the founder of Rye, talks about she never even used the word falling asleep because to kids it's like falling. You have to fall to sleep. It's a really scary thing. Mm-hmm. We call it finding sleep. I like As that. in you, you want to seek it. It's not like you know dropping you on your butt. Mm-hmm. Um, but how that's a it's a big vul- a vulnerability and it's a huge skill to to let your body relax like that and in, in a lot of ways kids have a, a natural ability to do that but then th- it's so much about habit and about connection and about um, logistics and all these other things that make yeah. it really difficult and stressful yeah so sorry go yeah. ahead now. no but I mean it's it's 
it's one of her common themes, which is how can we bring more joy and more presence to this thing, whether mm-hmm. it's chores, whether it's falling asleep, whether it's waking up, whatever those, especially those more difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And she talked about this idea during bedtime of surrender, mm-hmm. because we we have all felt that sitting in there, you're feeling trapped, like you're sitting in traffic, like she mm-hmm. said, and you can't get out and they're holding you hostage yeah. is how it so often feels. And how to just kind of breathe into that and sit with love instead of resisting mm-hmm. their resisting, right. basically. And, I mean, most of the time I surrender, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm going to fucking problem solve this when I get out of here. Mm-hmm. Or talk to Alex about it, or you, Kella, yeah. tomorrow. And don't worry, Han, you just need to sit through this because freaking out isn't helping anybody, and there's no way to problem solve it through it right now. So let it go, help them ease into sleep, and then get back to the drawing board yeah. in the morning to figure out what to do about yeah. it. Yeah, And one last big takeaway from the bedtime thing, thinking about it from our own perspective as well, is just connection, mm-hmm. filling up a cup. And you and I need that before we go to bed too. Yeah. Like we grew up talking across the bed or across the room to each other, debriefing about our day. Yeah, And that let us kind of like Elizabeth... Um, spoke about kind of off gas, mm-hmm. like get all those things out so we're not storing them uh, in our bodies, this and our energy, minds, the, yeah. all of these other things in our bodies. And um, mm-hmm. I love that. Like we need that connection just as much yeah. as they do. Oh, you do. asked me about my bedtime routine, but oh, like, yeah. you know, our all of our bedtime routines are pretty pretty intricate, I would say. I'm not someone who can, Alex can literally get in bed and he's asleep in two seconds. Same it's with fucking ridiculous. Yeah. And you and I are very high self-monitoring, a little higher anxiety, very spongy. Um, I'm just remembering to like the, the first couple years Justin and I were together and I remember him being like, why are you talking? Like, we're turning over to go to sleep. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm sorry, this is just what I do. I right. have to just like get it you all out. You have to process. But that's what my daughter does too. She mm-hmm. talks about her day more five minutes before she falls asleep than all afternoon or all weekend or whatever it is. That's why it's so hard. I think the the resistance I feel is like, go to fucking sleep. But they're Mm -hmm. also telling you things and they're touching your face Mm -hmm. in certain ways. And so it's it's an opportunity. What does connection look like? We're going to wrap this up. Okay. Basically, nighttime connection, just like you would appreciate from a partner, Mm -hmm. is eyes, physical touch, attention, feeling that quality time. Like Mm -hmm. our kids know if we're like, I'm trying to get out of here, I'm trying to get from point A to point B so they go to sleep, it's going to come off on them. Yeah. You I know? mean, think about how you would want your partner to attend to you and attune to you mm-hmm. before you go to I sleep. Just, I want to feel seen. Yeah. I want to feel seen and understood and heard mm-hmm. to be able to step off that precipice. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love how you talk about finding sleep. And I love how you say that you'll find Roy and Laz in dreamland. Yeah, I talked to them about what, what are we going to be doing in your dreams? You know, you're going to be this mermaid. Well, I'm going to be the mermaid with the gold tail and the reddish orange <laughs> hair. And I'll be in the seaweed and you can find me there. But helping kids see that, you know, we're, it, it's a big separation. It's, it's uh, really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, and that we can be together in our dreams is, is a nice way to think about it. So, Visit and learn more about Elizabeth and her incredible work at earlyrisercompanion.com. And you can find her on Instagram at the littlest and at earlyrisercompanion. As always, we would love to hear your thoughts on our conversation with Elizabeth. So please DM, call. We do have a, a voice line. We get some voicemail sometimes. We do. Cool. Email or you can contact us through our website, upbringing.co. 
And we would really appreciate you subscribing, rating, and reviewing so other people can find us. Yeah. And we are also beginning an Ask Me Anything segment at the end of our outro music, which Mm -hmm. is replacing our lullabye-byes. So get in touch with a question you want us to twin talk. Yeah. It can be anything. It could be personal. It could be professional. We'll just kind of riff and improv our way through it. Yes. Lastly, you are doing an amazing job. We are so proud of you. And we're right here with you, taking steps to better understand ourselves, our kids, and one another. So thanks for being here. We're all growing up together. Till next time. And now for the Ask Me Anything portion of our show, where we get a little vulnerable, a little personal, and a lot honest about whatever you're interested in knowing about us. Yes. We will Should it be called Ask Us Anything or Ask Me Anything? Oh. <laughs> ask Us Anything. Yeah. Um, let's change it for let's, next, we'll next episode. Okay. Um, so we'll start this season's new segment off with a question we've been getting a lot since the podcast started, which is, what's this whole living on a farm thing about? Mm. So take it away, Kelty. Well... I think it's because we do Instagram stories often about mm-hmm. just like our farm walks or we just picked all these flowers or the kids are like running across the farm. And so we put that up and then people are like, where are you? Are you on vacation? Where do you live? What's happening? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we just thought we'd do a little quick, quick answer on that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The short answer is <laughs> we yes, live. We do. Yes, we live on a farm <laughs> together um, outside Portland, and we got here because my husband Justin has been a farmer since 2011, maybe like 2010, mm-hmm. and we grow vegetables, we grow um, fruit, we grow flowers, we raise pigs, we raise lambs, we sell eggs, we do a bunch of stuff. And this year it became a nonprofit. And I eat it all. We eat it all. (laughs) Um, Right now we're looking out the window actually at a a few huge hay bales and a bunch of volunteers who are putting hay on top of newly planted garlic, Mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. I'm glad that's not us right now. Me too. I love being in here with my coffee. Well, So it's a nonprofit farm, right, Cal? Yeah. So so this year we converted to a nonprofit. So we're growing for the food bank and a bunch of other cool organizations. And then we get big companies like Intel and Nike and uh, people like that to send out their volunteer crews to help us harvest, plant, clean up shit, Mm -hmm. everything. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, I love living on a farm. I'm very grateful to be here. We live in two shitty little houses Mm -hmm. across the property from one another. Um, And just being together is what is really meaningful for us this time in our lives with a two, three, four, and five-year-old. Yeah. It, it, it matters a lot and I love it. And I'm so grateful that Justin went to farm school Me and too. likes dirt and likes organic veggies. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's kind of that's kind of about us. Hopefully we answered that a little bit. But yeah. again, ask us ask us anything from now on and we will totally give it to you raw, undiluted. I guess that's like the same word. <laughs> unscripted. Um, unscripted. Oh, definitely unscripted. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's all we got. Okay.